Hello everyone and welcome back to What A Barb, A Pollen Podcast. I'm Ovs and this week I'm joined by Lecky and Veg as we continue our Pollen Rewatch of Season 2. Very sadly, we are beansless this week, but she is with us in spirit and I think she's going to pop on via voice memo a little bit later. But for now, how's the two of you doing? Lecky, Veg, how are we? I'm excited. This is probably my favourite episode of Bridgerton and the one Ooh. that I rewatched the most. Such a good episode. Veg, are you melting? I am melting, yes. We've had a second summer in the UK, which is very nice. But yes, the evenings are hard, hot. Yeah, it's very hot here also. Oh my God, you're both so terrible. You do this to me every single time. Oh no. Oh, how, how are you? Is it hot where you are? <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, I'm fine. Thanks for oh, saying. No. I've had such a bone to pick with you guys about this. Oh. <laughs> I have a bone to pick with you because... I've been layering this story of me going away for weeks and weeks. I like introduced it slowly. I was like, I'm slowly packing up my stuff to London. Listener, I've moved basically and I've gone traveling. And every week I was like introducing this story and every single week without fail, you both cut it out. I figured we'd get to it when Colin literally returns. We'd say, like, like our wayward traveler, Obs. In last week's episode, I said to Veg, how are you, Veg? And she went, I'm great, thanks. And then just moved on. Do you want to officially say that you're on? Well, I'm going to have to now because I can't retrospectively. So, listener, yeah, okay, start again. Okay, I'll say, how are you? But I want to I wanna <laughs> hear it with sincerity is what I want to hear for the first time in my life. Obs. How are you doing? Oh, thank you so much for asking. I'm great. Thank you, Vegetable. <laughs> Listeners, you won't actually know, but I moved out of London last week. Veg and I are no longer neighbours. I was quite upset about that at the time, but I'm no longer feeling as sentimental about it. Oh. <laughs> I have gone travelling, which now you make me sound really stupid in this episode because if it had been a few weeks ago before Colin had gone away, it wouldn't have sounded as weird. But now it just sounds like I'm copying him. Okay. For the listener, we didn't mean to edit it out. It was edited out because it was in the middle of... It didn't work in the edit for other didn't reasons. Work. I, my life didn't work for you. I'm so sorry. No. <laughs> Basically, sorry. for the next few months, I don't know how long, I'll be away. So if my audio is a bit weird in the next few months, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that season three will have come out by the time I'm back, but I don't actually know if that's going to happen. But yeah, I'm fine. So I'm currently in Montenegro in somewhere called Couture. Thank you for showing so much interest. I've got a tracker. I've got an ops tracker on my phone. You're acting like we haven't <laughs> asked about your travels in our personal discussions. We we have. They have. They just edit me out of for public consumption. Before we get heading off to the races, I think maybe we should check in for the weekly crumbs. So Lecky, what have you got for us this week? It was announced this week that a new series of Bridgerton Funko Pops will be released later this year. Because nothing can ever be straightforward in this fandom, the announcement <laughs> caused a lot of confusion amongst Pollen fans. It was initially believed the lineup would consist of a Daphne, Simon, Kate, Antony, Queen Charlotte, and a Penelope figure. However, once the designs were officially released, Penelope was notably absent from the lineup. It could be that Penelope is being withheld due to the costume her figure is wearing. It could be like a season three look, but it's looking more likely now that there is no Penelope figure, at least not in this particular release. So let's hope for a future release of Penelope and Colin at a later date. Heartbreaking. What outfit would you have her in? Well, see, I'd want like the daisy dress, but I know they're going to do a season three look. So No, I'd want daisy pen and Vauxhall Colin. Yeah, we're not getting those. But I'll settle for window pen and pirate Colin as a figment of our imagination. (laughs) Oh yeah, pirate Colin would be pretty good. Anyway, moving on, it's been quite a busy week for Nicola, which has been lovely to see. 
in addition to attending the ATG Summer Party and Vogue World 2023, with the latter also being attended by Simone Ashley and Teresa Trandron. Nicola featured in a new ad for Uber Eats Australia. It's adorable and pokes fun at period romances. It's very cute. You have to check it out. Oh, I absolutely love it. Nicola was also interviewed by Marie Claire Australia, in which she discussed the concept of the ad in more detail and joked about how people tend to romanticize the Regency era, joking that in reality you'd probably get traded for a goat or some land. And like Ob's <laughs> Speculates in this episode that personal hygiene probably wasn't the best. Hey, I called it out first. <laughs> Speaking of Regency romance, Bessie Carter joined the Shit I Should Have Read in School podcast for an episode discussing Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. The podcast is a lot of fun, and I'm sure many of our listeners would love the discussion on Austen's work, so go check that out. So there's been a lot of speculation and rumors regarding the season three release date, as I'm sure you're all aware, including an admirable amount of clouding from the fandom on Thursday, where we fans had somehow convinced ourselves into believing we might get some news. Shockingly, we did not. <laughs> to continue the tradition of being tormented by various international Netflix social media accounts, this week we also received a delightful non-crumb from Netflix Brazil, who replied to a fan who said they were eager to see Netflix using a B emoji with a B emoji and the word pronto, which translated like means done. But of course we took it and ran with it in the wrong direction. Once again, we have to remind you that there has been no official release date announcement and we still do not know if the strikes will impact Netflix's plans for the show. As always, clown responsibly everyone. An actual crumb, however, one of our lovely listeners, Alyssa, shared a piece of casting information that she noticed. According to his agent's website, Bailey Patrick, who Pollen fans will recognize as Penelope's printer, Mr. Harris. So he will be returning in season three. Interestingly, the role is listed as working with various directors, suggesting Bailey will be appearing in more than one episode throughout the season. Thank you to Alyssa for sharing that crumb with us. I also just really like this little crumb because it teases the idea that Penn may be making some personal deliveries next season and maybe someone will catch her. Little stalker. But speaking of casting, a member of the Bridgerton subreddit found out that an actor named David Mumeni will be appearing in season three as Lord Samadani. The role was described as a regular role, but we don't really know at this stage how prominent his role will actually be. It could be he's another suitor for Penn or maybe one of Colin's friends or someone related to another plotline altogether. As always, we're excited to welcome in a new cast member and Lord Samadani can join the likes of Lord Wilding in our We have no idea who you are, but we're thrilled you're here regardless party. <laughs> come on in, come on in. There's room for everyone. In Strike News, it has been announced said the WGA and AMPTP are set to resume talks next week. There's still no update, sadly, on when or if negotiations between the AMPTP and SAG will begin. In other news, Philippa Childs, the head of UK's Broadcasting, Entertainment, Communications and Theatre Union, has written an open letter to Carol Lombardini, the president of the AMPTP. In the letter, Philippa Childs called on the AMPTP to resume negotiations with both the writers and the actors' unions to make an effort to genuinely resolve and reach a satisfactory agreement and put in place financial support for UK crew who are suffering incredible hardship as a result of the strikes. The letter highlighted the plight of UK workers. Over 80% of UK film and TV workers have been impacted, with three quarters currently not working, which is awful. But in slightly more positive news, a similar bill in California to boost unemployment funds is now being reviewed by our Governor Newsom, so we'll see what happens there. And to lighten the mood before we begin our rewatch, it is our three-month pod Podiversary? Podversary? Yay! I'm not sure how you'd pronounce that. Podversary. But we're happy to be here and we're happy to have met all of our lovely listeners who have reached out and continue to reach out. And this has been a fun, if chaotic, experience, much like being in the pollen fandom itself. Who needs sleep, hey, like? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. Should we get back to our episode rewatch? We'll see you there. very excited for this episode a lot is gonna happen it's iconic in many ways we've got a lot to get through so let's jump straight in lady veg can you give us our episode summary dearest gentle listener 
Podcast hosts are united in their glee. Colin Bridgerton has returned from Greece. Hey! The ton spends the day at the races. Philippa and her cheese boy wed as Lady Featherington frets over her future in the house. Anthony steps up his courting of Miss Edwina Sharma, much to the concern of Kate. And Eloise steps up her hunt for Lady Whistledown, much to the concern of Penelope. The season's eligible bachelors and misses attend a soiree at the Danbury residence, where Anthony does not read poetry and Penelope does not count. And oh God. Queen Charlotte Edge. narrows down her suspect list in her own search for Lady Whistledown. <laughs> oh, bleak. Setting the tone off straight for us. Thank you, Lady Veg. Yeah, it's a big episode. One of the most controversial as well. It's the battleground for many fandom fights. And I would say that this episode is the perfect summary of what it's like to be in this fandom. Deep joy found in the deep pain. <laughs> we have to get through somehow, Lek. Why don't you kick us off for the week? The beginning of this episode, Lady Whistledown said, Of course, the only competition that compels my attention is the game of courtship, so best of luck to this year's players. Do try not to stumble on the starting line. This idea of the game of courtship recurs throughout season two, especially for Kate and Antony. It was the core of the promotional materials. It's the competitive nature of the relationship. It comes back a little bit in episode three with the game of Palmall, but it's also interesting in this episode to follow Colin a little bit to see how he does and doesn't take part in that game. His st- Status within the game is something that definitely compels Lady Whistledown's attention as we see Penn digging around Colin's love life a couple times in the episode, sadly. <laughs> so probably kick off our episode, we're going to go find Penelope in one of her favourite places to be, the Bridget and Family drawing room. Where Penn is quite happy to find Elle poring over the latest Lady Whistledown. I love the way she feigns like a casual interest here, like, yep, yeah, is that a copy of Lady Whistledown? Like, she doesn't care. Like, we see what you're doing there, girl. And Elle concedes that it is. And Penelope says, I thought we were done with her, testing the water a little bit, carefully aligning herself back with Elle to avoid suspicion. As always, Pen wants to keep Eloise off her scent, but she still wants Elle's admiration. And Violet tells Penelope not to discourage Elle from reading Whistledown, because Violet's hoping that if Elle's interested in Whistledown, she might be interested in eligible bachelors. I do love Elle's line here. Can't think of any clever way to say this, but no. Pen is endearingly amused. I think she loves this adoring teacher in between all the family members, which is something she doesn't get at home, and I think she loves being immersed in it. And while Elle muses that the newest Whistledown isn't about to be winning any prizes for groundbreaking feminism, it's still a step up. Penn's still carefully playing devil's advocate, trying to downplay how much Whistledown has changed, while also suggesting that the author might not want to change, but she still managed to recapture Elle's interests. It's kind of the fine balance that she's wanting to keep. We saw last week how Penn shifted Whistledown to get Elle's approval back, but this constant changing of material isn't really something she wants to be making a habit of. But Elle is certain that she'd be able to convince Whistledown to change her focus if only she could find her. Uh, I wouldn't be so confident on that one, Elle. Violet asks for Penn's help in insisting that all Eloise needs is happiness, and Penn is all too happy to assist, and suggests that happiness won't come from Whistledown, but will come from someone like... Colin! 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 Yeah, you heard us because in walks our lovely Colin finally making his return back from his travels. We missed you, boy. Well, I did anyway. Veg, you're probably a crannity pillow that is back on your screen. As we say in he walks, I remember the last we heard Colin was supposed to be heading to Albania, so his return is definitely a surprise to everyone, including Penn. Um, I know the heart ice moments is coming up in just a second, but my favourite moment is just before that. So it's right as Colin walks through the door because he immediately looks at Penn and smiles at her right as Eloise is busy being absolutely horrified by Penn's accidental insinuation. The very first thing Colin says when he gets home is, glad to see things have not changed 
changed. This sounds a lot like possible setup for season three. Mm -hmm. Judging from the season three synopsis, Paul and fans can likely expect the opposite for Colin to return home in season three and realize that everything has changed. Eventually for the better, but it might not quite feel that way at first. (laughs) It's going to be a shock to his little system, that one. One point that I noticed that made me think about Eloise is that when Penn says Colin, she's like, my brother... And I think that that just demonstrates that, like, she has not noticed anything going on between Penelope and, and Colin. <gasps> the complete disconnect. Oh, I like that. And when that happens in series three, she's probably, I think, going to be completely taken aback and confused. Surprised. This has all been going on under her nose. Yeah. I love that because that's kind of the way the shot is set up as well. You have Eloise completely unaware that Colin is right behind her making absolute heart eyes at a bestie. (laughs) It is great. But like Lecky, like you say, Colin specifically says that he's glad that nothing's changed. I think he likes the fact that the world he left behind is still there and still going on and still familiar to him. We talked before about how Colin cut his trip short something that Violet alludes to here when she says, I did not expect you to return so soon, dearest. And Colin says, well, I missed you all, what can I say? So we suspect that he came home early because he was struggling on his travels and burdened by all the guilt and the lack of closure from everything that happened. So he wanted to return to the solid ground where parts of his life were soon. And you know who's a core part of that? Penelope. You know, she represents that constancy in his life. She's someone who's always been there in his world. They've known each other since presumably childhood, and it's something he references later in the season in 207 when he says, you've always been so constant and loyal, Pen. And I think it's something he really deeply relies on without realising it, that, you know, she's one of the foundations in his life that holds his entire world up. And as we see in this episode, also helps maintain his sense of self when he can't do it himself. Mm -hmm. If he comes back next year and that's completely dropped away from him, that's when it's really going to hit him the hardest. But he comes back, sees Pen and Elle squabbling together, Pen looks a bit ridiculous in a mother styling. It's a scene he's probably seen a hundred times in his life and it makes him feel at home. He even refers to Eloise and Pen's tit for tat as the latest family squabble. And the first thing he does is ask for a hug from everyone. Oh, Colin, he's really missed them. And obviously Pen is just completely awed by the sight of him. But I also love how happy Elle is to see him back. She looks like so, so pleased that he's there. And we'll be tracking their relationship more this season. But it's nice that it starts off with a very loving, earnest moment between the two siblings. And he gets a nice big hug from Violet and Benedict as well. And then it's time. Lecky. What's about to happen to us? We are about to experience the wonder, the mystery, and the allure that is the heart eyes scene. (laughs) It is an iconic moment as Colin turns away from Benedict, spots Penelope, and bam! The world shifts, the ground falls away, the heavens sing blissful choral odes, Colin Bridgerton looks at Penelope Featherington. We spent 90% of our lives trying to notice all the tiny, tiny pollen moments that have been very carefully and subtly woven through the show, but there's absolutely nothing subtle about the way that this has been filmed. Every part of the production team is giving it their all to make this a moment between the two of them. As much as I have campaigned against this scene and rooted for its defeat in the game (laughs) on our pollen sub, I still get excited the moment I see Colin walk into the room, how he just instantly turns toward Penn and the camera pushes in on both of them, capturing this strange new tension and almost kind of awareness between them. Yeah. Almost been the key word there. Uh, and for the listener, this scene has been subject of a few controversial games on the Pollen subreddit. Last year, this was voted the number one Pollen moment of all time. Absolute joke, catastrophe. How the purpose scene doesn't win is beyond me, but carry on. <laughs> and we had a platonic gazes game, which was ironic and showed the best looks between the two of them. And it was the runner-up after What a Barb. And did we heavily campaign to make sure Heart Eyes lost out to What a Barb? No comment. But either way, a lot of fans. <laughs> 
chance this is the moment. This isn't my moment for, for clarity. <sighs> is this any of your moments? We know what Beans's moment was. Beans's moment is 108. Lucky, you don't have to say what your moment is in case it's coming up, but is this your moment? I I think I campaigned for our name, What a Barb. Oh, uh, one thing I like in this scene, I, I just, I can't believe that Penn tries to n- initiate a hug here <laughs> with Colin. I'm sure we'll discuss this more, but it just makes me wonder what was in the letters. Would she even have thought to do such a thing before now? Or did she just really miss him? We don't know. Oh. And one of the great mysteries that has plagued Paul and Penn since they fell into this fandom, we'd all love to know what was written in the script for the scene and what Luke Newton thought that Colin was thinking <laughs> when he glimpsed Penn for the first time upon returning home. Perhaps one day we will have answers. It really sets us up as well to think that there's been a big shift in their relationship, specifically on Colin's side, so specifically with how Colin views Penelope, because I think the narrative really wants us to take note of that change in dynamic by making this such a big, obvious cinematic moment that we don't normally get to see between the two of them. And Nicola Coughlin said that the letters really did level up their relationship. And we'll hear Colin's perspective on that too, and how he kind of experienced those letters. But as Nicola said as well, the letters maybe raise Penn's expectations a little bit too high. But this cinematic moment does bring the audience into those raised expectations too, which is going to make the later you do not count scene cut that even more closely to the bone. And our hopes of a pollen hug were also raised too high because Hyacinth and Gregory both interrupt the moment and plow on through to hug Colin. A lovely moment for the siblings, a tragic loss for us. As is so often the way for us. I do have a final question for you both about the heart eye scene, because what you may have noticed is that the camera was very focused on Penn and Colin when they were both looking at each other. Like you say, like it really zoomed in on them. But what we didn't see was if anyone else noticed the moment between the two. And I think one of our listeners was talking about the look that Colin gave to Benedict in 108. Mm -hmm. And they think that Benedict was maybe a little bit in on it and maybe suspecting something between the two. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Benedict noticed this moment? I mean, it's such an obvious moment from our perspective, but did they get away with it? Did Violet notice it? Maybe even Hyacinth? I hope that Violet noticed because I'd really love to see that explored in season three, you know, the the Violet-Edmund parallels. Um, And then also we've discussed this before, but Hyacinth tends to deliver prophetic lines like, what about the Duke? (laughs) And what, you know, so if there's a moment like that in season three, maybe she noticed something as well. And I think Benedict may have noticed, but sort of just found it a bit funny and written it off but he'll really start to notice I think in season three I feel like Benedict is sort of a character who would notice something like this would maybe maybe I've read too much fan fiction but would have noticed moments like this between the two of them and would maybe guess that they were on their way to being together but would find it quite funny to just let them come together at their own time yeah and maybe he'll he'll lean into that more in next season when he starts seeing Colin doing some really stupid shit and is like, Mm -hmm. now I need to make an intervention here because this is going to get way out of hand. Yeah. But since we've got them both in the same room, at least, if not hugging... Veg, how are they both looking? So Pen is in yellow and pink, Return of the French Fancy, <laughs> and her hair is in very tight curls. Her dress also offers a lot more coverage in the bust area than last episode's dresses, including the gorgeous dressing gown look that we're obsessed with. So it sort of gives her a more girlish appearance, I would say, which is not great timing as Colin's making his return, but he seems to like it. I still think she's super cute. Oh, lucky you like this, don't you? <laughs> like all her looks in this episode I can't help it it's my god I think you've been you you, you're so deeply traumatized by this fandom (laughs) I'm not a fan of the look it's so childlike which I I totally appreciate is exactly the point of the storytelling yeah like I think it's her hair the way it's like piled on her head 
just not for me. Even though they've just had their little heart eyes moment, Colin has already said that things haven't changed. So no matter what difference the letters have made to their relationship, he isn't quite ready to see her in that kind of light just yet. Yes. So I think for costuming, Penn needs to stay firmly in the not a romantic candidate category. So her lovely dresses from last week are banished the back of the wardrobe. And she seems to manage to pull out some of, in my opinion, her worst looks of all time in the episode because we're cursed but you know lucky go for it if you're <laughs> well we're still <laughs> upset colin missed some of her best looks last week and and indeed we'll miss one of her best looks in a couple weeks in some fans opinion we should be Ooh. grateful colin may have up and died if he'd returned home and been confronted yeah. with a glowed up had a very different season <laughs> He's not quite ready for that yet. We're in season two, Colin, not season three, but give it a year. I think two or two, Colin, is a little bit too lost and unsure of himself to start having those kind of revelations. I think we might be needing a bit of swagger in the mix. Speaking of Colin, he is in a softer version of Pirate Colin. So this is sort of, I guess, our introduction to let us in gently to what we're going to get in series three when Colin returns. Because we don't know this at the time because we hadn't seen Pirate Colin, but this is sort of Pirate Colin light diet pirate Colin, if you will. <laughs> Stepping the toe into the piratey waters. So he's got his long coat that he left in and he's looking like slightly scruffy. Got the little goatee. I do like his brown jacket, but I always felt that even before we saw Pirate Colin, that I think in this scene, he looks a little bit too put together in his costuming. I think this isn't a Colin who's been on some big transformative journey. This is giving me like gap yar, chaps, chaps, chaps energy, which perfectly ties into what we eventually realise about his travels, that he hasn't had the character development and the big revelations that we'd expect and he hasn't come away enjoying it. I think this is still a Colin who's paralysed in what happened last season and he's still very put together and very cautious and I don't think he's really gone and had wild adventures. Mm-hmm. While we do all love Pirate Colin for obvious reasons, it's also a really gloves. interesting part of the storytelling or at least what we know of Colin in season three versus season two. Thanks to Nicola at Doom, we know that his travels between season two and season three have made a difference and he's done some growing up. And we'll see that development through his costume in 301, which is far more lived in and kind of undone. An important Mm. contrast to his put-together appearance we see here. Yeah, for sure. And Ben makes a comment about Colin needing a doctor because he's gone and got himself a little bit of facial hair on his travels. How do we feel about the goatee, guys? I'm a fan. It was a part of the script, I think, as context, to have the facial hair. But the styling of it was Luke's suggestion. And something he ended up regretting as he described it as terrible. I think a lot of guys go through that phase. I've seen it happen. (laughs) It's almost like Colin's like, if I had gone away and had this transformative experience, what would I do? Oh, maybe I'd grow a little beard. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like too put together. It's not... It's not a lived travel experience. I think he's just trying to project that part without actually living it. But I think Newt has been way too harsh on Colin there. I, I love the goatee. 202 Colin is my second favourite Colin after 206 Colin. And I will not stand for any comments to the contrary from anybody. I still have hope that we'll see an unshaven, slightly distressed Colin in season three at some point. I just want to announce that this podcast is a goatee safe space. And if you disagree, <laughs> you can leave right now. Lucky, what do you think about it? (laughs) Well, Penelope agrees with us. She quietly says that she thinks he looks distinguished, which is adorable. She just loves him so much. But right on cue, Anthony makes his return, and ever the practical one, he sees Colin, pats him on the shoulder and goes, Colin, you're back, great, blah, blah, blah. 
Not really the emotional reunion for the brothers that we'd be hoping for, but Anthony's on a mission and he hasn't got time for Colin. And listeners, if you were hoping for a slightly more affectionate moment between the two, then fear not. A fan who watched filming of Colin's return in 301 managed to capture footage of an ABC hug where Colin is embraced much more enthusiastically by his two big brothers before Anthony starts ragging on him about his wardrobe or <laughs> lack thereof, I'm assuming. Oh, I love the ABC hug. We'll share it because it's just the sweetest moment. But poor Colin barely gets a second to breathe before Anthony he says they have to go to the races and it's not quite the epic homecoming of Colin as the main plot chucks us along. I do feel bad for him throughout the entire episode for how quickly he's forced to adjust back into the world of the ton when I don't think he's quite ready for it and it must be so jarring for him. He literally just got back and he's already having to go straight into it and I also think he really really needs a shower. After all that travelling I think it's a good job that he never hugged Pen because I bet he smells after being in the carriage all that time. Um, I'm sure she would have she would have survived. It would have been fine. She would have been um, like is distinguishing <laughs> <laughs> but just a little observation about Antony here he when he storms into the room and addresses the family telling them all to prepare for an excursion at the races he somehow doesn't notice that Penn is standing among them she just fits in or, or she's invisible but <laughs> are you are you trying to be like oh she's just such a part of the family that he just assume no uh, but Penn also needs to start getting ready for the races and seeing as though she's not actually a part of the Bridgerton family yet she's gone back home where we find her musing over Jack's new interior design choices with Portia and Valley. something I noticed here was that she does seem to take a genuine and slightly weird interest in cousin Jack's guns <laughs> She's asking questions, she's looking up at them with almost awe, like, why? It's so random for her character. That... <laughs> Are you thinking that Penn's got, like, a, a deep interest in Armoury? <laughs> she, I, I know what you mean, because I know it's the last episode when she was, like, really, really excited that Jack was there, and she was kind of amused by him straight away when the rest of them were a lot more cautious about it. And um, I think part of it is just relief that Jack's there and he doesn't seem to be a terrible human being. And because before he got there, Penn was really starting to worry that she'd have to... Firstly, use her funds to support her family if they're really completely fucked. And secondly, Portia was floating that idea around that she was going to have to get engaged really quickly. So I think having Jack there, seeing that he isn't a psychopath that we know of just yet and seems to kind of be in control of things, I think it takes that weight off of her and I think she's just enjoying it and being around. I also think she likes that he goes toe-to-toe with Portia. <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with you. Poor Penn really seems to like Cousin Jack and mm. I think after the events of last season really hopes and expects for him to be a good father figure or role model to the family, though he's anything but. Um, Farley hints that Jack wants to turn a room into his own personal gaming hell or a gambling den, perhaps hinting <laughs> that he, like Archie, isn't the best with money. I also think there's something else going on with Jack, especially when he says that line to Penelope, which I picked up on, he says, I shall have to fill you in on my adventures one day. Uh, Throughout the season, next week especially, we'll see how Jack is kind of set up as a foil to Colin. Mm -hmm. We said it in the first episode, we said it last week that his costuming was very similar to Archie's and sort of the tone and colouring. But it's also a similar palette to season three, Colin, from what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And we've speculated before that Colin has been set up to be the de facto Lord Featherington, but the the Lord Featherington who's going to get it right and run the household properly. And in season one, we had Archie, rest in peace, fly with the angels, sweet prince, who was the father figure, but one who was utterly disinterested in the family. He was particularly disinterested in finding matches for his daughters. And we touched on this um, in our last season rewatch, but there's a possibility that Colin may make up for this in season three and be more interested in matchmaking the Featherington girls, especially Penelope, but maybe Prudence as well. <laughs> Matchmaker Colin, step right through. 
And here in season two, we have Jack, who is again a new Lord Featherington, and he actually shares quite a lot of similarities with Colin. They're both handsome, young travellers, they've both recently returned, they're both full of stories. Jack says that he'll have to tell Penelope his stories, just as Colin's been keeping her informed via his letters. Mm -hmm. And Jack ends up engaged to Prudence and almost becomes her husband. So if we had Archie in the father role to the family last season, but in a failed way, Jack here is going to take on that husband role, if Porch has anything to do with it. And if you think ahead to episode eight, this is exactly what Colin will allude to when he steps in to save the Featheringtons, noting that they are without a father or a husband to protect them. Jack seems to be everything the Featheringtons hoped for, but he ultimately turns out to be a fraud. Colin, on the other hand, is going to step into both roles and be the true head of the Featherington household. So what you're saying, Lek, is that in a world of counterfeits, Colin is our real ruby necklace. <laughs> Exquisite. Um, before we leave the scene, I've always thought about how Colin would decorate if he does, in fact, <laughs> move, end up moving into the Featherington house. It could be amusing if Penn suggests redecorating, only for Colin to admit he's really attached to the citrus colors for some reason. Maybe he'll paint over all the green with yellow instead. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, his bedding and curtains definitely already match. He'll slot right in. Uh, you know, why change perfection, Colin? And there's a line here that you alluded to in the a synopsis veg where Portia's worried that she's going to get usurped out of the house but I don't think Colin is ever going to do that I think he's happy to spend the rest of his life living with Penn's mum what a thought honestly I hope not I hope not I don't want it to happen either I hope it's a big fake out and I hope that Philippa is going to end up having the boy I disagree with you no no (laughs) I I I think I I firmly believe it's going to happen that he's going to move I I don't doubt that at all firmly think that he will move in and and I think they will have the first born son but my pollen heart has always just wanted them to just go have their lives together with that away from Portia but I agree like yeah. I think that's how it's been set up and I do I do want to press F to doubt like I know that the color theory is there the framing is there that Colin will take over as head of the Featherington house and I know some of our listeners you know I'm representing them with this I think like it's not it's not guaranteed and I genuinely like that they're such they're talking about purpose and adventure and that's their whole shtick and they're gonna end up living with their mother-in-law in the house but the thing is Colin goes off on these adventures and yeah, he doesn't true. F- find anything in it we could yeah. talk about this all day long he doesn't enjoy it his, like the what's missing is that Penelope isn't isn't with him his adventure will be a life with her sure. and whatever purpose they find together if it's his writing or something else um but I do think the screenwriters are setting up him becoming the new Lord Featherington please can we have everything please can we have living <laughs> in the nice house Portia just can go live with Prudence or Philippa yeah and and both of them being writers they can have it all they can have it all but I agree Veg there is a part of my pollen heart that just wants to find I really want the season three epilogue to just be them two traveling away together keep in mind if they still live in the town there's a chance they may invite Nicola and Luke back for future seasons for little cameos that's that true just okay to across whatever we need to do to get them to stay in the show actually thank you ignore all our previous requests <laughs> But finally, we're off to the races. And thanks to Luke Newton, we know that there was a cut scene where the Bridgertons all arrived together. And according to Luke, he was super nervous back on set and he really struggled to get his lines out. And I think that's why he thought the scene got cut because he wasn't very good. But I'm sure you were great, Luke. Uh, But we do see the Featheringtons arrive and there's a sweet moment where we hear about Philippa and Finch's upcoming wedding. But Ah. (laughs) Penn is distracted looking for the Bridgertons, much to Prudence's annoyance. Yeah, and she's basically in the same outfit as before, the yellow and pink but slightly worse. So the hair before, 
a few curls were hanging down, it's all up, the hairpiece is bigger, the skirt is shinier, the sleeves are less flattering. It is new, but it's basically like the same vibe as the last scene. She's got that bloody bolero on. But I actually love Penelope's look here. I think some people have said that she looks kind of grandmotherly. <laughs> Lucky. We need an intervention, babe. But I think she looks adorable. I love her little bolero and Colin absolutely lights up when he sees her here. So I don't care what anyone else thinks. Colin and I think she's sunshine personified. Sunshine, Daisy. <sighs> now anything that I say after that is just going to make me sound like a dick, isn't it? Like <laughs> He lights up like a Christmas tree when he sees her. Fine. It's not my favourite look. But we do catch up with Colin though, is he is he's hanging out with his brothers and the Mondriches. He stares after Anthony as Anthony goes and chases Kate with a little bit of Colin's suspicion, I'd say. Book mm -hmm. fans will recall that Colin was pretty instrumental in getting Book Company together. And this is something that Luke Newton was very aware of, but he knew that the show was going in a different direction. But even though he knew that, he still tried to add in tiny, tiny little moments that, you know, tipped the cap towards Colin's involvement in, can in Book Company, which we'll see again next week. Matchmaker Colin. Matchmaker Colin. Get ready to match make your own wife, babe, with someone else. And he is wearing a lovely blue velvet, though tragically this is the same jacket that he wears during the infamous Beauty and the Beast scene in 204. If you know, you know. If you don't, carry on listening. <laughs> Colin is in a lighter blue outfit than his brothers, but he is closer to them. They have matching hats. He's not next to Gregory wearing the same exact outfit as Gregory. So this is progress, guys. It's demonstrating he's slightly older. Not, not quite baby blue. It's the illusion yet. of progress. He'd, it's what he'd want us to believe. <laughs> we'll believe you, Colin, babe. And I think this demonstrates a slightly older look. They all have their own distinct style as well. Um, in the official Bridgerton podcast, Luke and Luke mentioned that they could always tell, you know, if they went to their dressing room and the wrong rail of clothes had been delivered, they would immediately be able to tell because they had such distinct styles. And that's a big kudos to the costumes teams. Colin is always super done up. <laughs> and always will. His will always be the one where the cravat is like wrapped up tight like a mummy. <laughs> So yeah, he's like, he has grown up a little bit, we hope. It's kind of similar to what we said for Penn being not a girl, not yet a woman. Uh, he's not a boy, but not yet a man. But, you know, it's great to see him. And we can also see him holding a pair of leather gloves while talking to Penn. For those enamoured with the pirate Colin Leakes, we have got a little hint of what's to come. I love the dark blue velvet. I love it so much. Yes. I think it's a crime that we don't see that often. I want to see it return. I just think his look here is gorgeous. Thank you very much, Colin. It's now time for one of our favourite scenes, Penn's outfit aside, sorry, Lecky. As she's walking through the crowd, still looking for Colin and Elle. Listeners, very fortunately, we do actually have the script for this very specific scene as a couple of pages were released by the showrunner Chris Van Dusen during the release of season two. So we don't have the whole script, but we have this little bit here. I think it's really interesting to see how few script directions they actually had for this scene and how much of it was uh, Nicola, Luke's and the production team, like the director's interpretation of that mm -hmm. and how they gave us this really beautifully awkward, but really sincere scene between the two of them. In the script, the moment that Colin says Pen was supposed to happen off screen and Pen would have then turned an act surprise. But I just love how it's done here. Where Penelope spots Colin first, she smiles to herself and sort of heads over whilst pretending. She does that thing that she like looks at the sky. Hmm. Like, what are you looking at, babe? <laughs> 
Yeah, something I'm sure we've all done when we're around someone we like. Very subtle. But what I do love is how Colin immediately drops all his friends the moment that he sees her. He was yes. fully in conversation with a group of guys and he didn't even think twice about heading straight over to her. One of my favourite Colin moments of all time is when he turns and goes, Pen! And again, he calls her by her nickname in public, out loud. <laughs> Scandalous as always, Mr. Bridgerton. Yeah, and she replies, Colin! <laughs> I think she's sweet here. She's really nervous. I think it's super cute. Earlier on, we said that our lovely beans couldn't be with us for the next couple of episodes, but... This is a momentous episode for Pauline and we could not continue without getting our lovely Beans' perspective. So Beans, wherever you may be in the world, dial in now, share your thoughts. Hello, Bridgerton fans and stands. This is your resident Beans. Um, don't mind... <laughs> My dog snoring in the background. He's got asthma. Anyway, since I won't be here for the next two weeks because I'm on an expedition to find the lost city of Atlantis, <laughs> I thought I would just leave my impressions for 202 because 202 is that girl. It's that episode. It's the beginning of us realizing that Penn and Colin are going to be season three. When that man walks into that room and he just sucks in his breath and he's like, oh my lord, Penelope, a friendly face around my entire family of strangers. It really meant something. It really meant something. Oh, and oof, when they just like go to the races after and he like does the lip thing with his mouth and he wants to talk to her <sighs> it's really just really great just so good like you know that i cannot wait to see more of that flirtiness from colin in the next season i just chef's kiss and this is beans out see you in 204 I just love how Nick and Nudes play this. From an interview that Nicola did with In Creative Company, a great interview that is 100% worth checking out, where she offers some really cool insight about her character and also Pollen. Um, she likens Pollen's reunion to, like, internet dating, implying that Colin and Penn felt awkward reuniting here after getting to know each other on a different level through their letters. And I definitely think that Nick and Luke convey that here. You can tell that something has fundamentally changed in their relationship. That's just made me think that Nicola has said a lot that obviously Penelope is, such a, is a writer at heart and that's how she conveys herself to the world through things like mm -hmm. Lady Whistledown but she said how Pen was really able to express herself through her letters to Colin yes she probably really let her guard we don't know because we don't know what's in the bloody letters but she <laughs> probably she really showed a different side of herself and I think as well we're hoping with everything we have that Colin is also going to be a writer and we, he is he's written letters to her but we hope that he's going to lean into that side of him so they've both established this deeper relationship on this shared love and skill that we hope they both have in, have in common where they've both been able to show a different side of themselves. And now that they're in person, like you say, like it's that trying to figure out how to be around someone again. And they definitely fumble through their conversation, which is just adorable. As the script says, she tries to get it together because she really wants to hear about his travels. And he thinks she'd be bored by now because they talked so much whilst they were because they shared oh. so many bloody letters. And she isn't bored because she thinks he's the most fascinating person in the whole world. And I agree and I love them. After Penn states that there is so much more to say than one could put on the page, 
rage, there is a suspiciously long pause from Colin before he continues their conversation, as if he's trying to work out what to say or perhaps thought of something but decided not to say it. So what do you think he was going to say here? Because the script just says, Pen, how have you been? Was he going to say that he missed her? I really hope he was. Yeah, I think it was something like that. He was thinking of her fondly and of the letter she wrote to him and the time they spent together even though they weren't together while he was on his trip, I think. But he doesn't know how to vocalize that or even really think about it, I think. The block in his brain yes, went, it just no. Lowers. <laughs> <laughs> we are not allowed to think about that right now. It's the wrong season. Don't you dare have a conscious thought about Penelope romantically. Yes. On the same topic, I would love to know not only what was in those letters, but why Luke thinks Colin paused and redirected the conversation here. I will also die if there's a moment in season three where his character maybe offers more insight about this, with Colin explaining how comforted he found Penn's words while abroad. I could talk about these letters for a million years, but I will stop now. <laughs> I love it. It's just the loveliest scene between the two of them. And just as you said, he asks how she's been. And obviously the pen has been mourning her dad the entire off season. So she hasn't been great. And the script makes me laugh because the stage direction just reads terrible <laughs> before Penn insists that she's been well. And then, oh my God, we have one of the best Colin moments in existence because the boy tilts his head and flutters his eyelashes at her. He is so... <laughs> endeared by her even when she's been awkward with him he loves how awkward she is he's literally leaning into it he is just fond of her he yeah he's mm-hmm. just so into her awkward little grandma look I, I just love them they're the best Do you know what that makes me think is that he's gonna find it really endearing next season when she's struggling Okay. Do you know when she's struggling with the suitors and she's yeah. failing spectacularly and we're interpreting that as like a really embarrassing thing for her. He might just be like really endeared by her because he loves all the aspects of her personality. Or he might not even notice a problem. Yeah, he might, he might be like, I think you're a great pen. Oh. <laughs> But as interested as she's in in his stories, our girl is on a mission because was Colin lonely? He says he was never on his own, of course, but Colin, we're on to you because we know that being lonely and being on your own are two entirely different things. But what Penn wants to know is, did he meet someone? He sympathised with the spiralling Penn, but sadly she gets interrupted by Eloise who rescues Penn from Colin's company, telling her brother, you've been back a matter of hours and yet you're already in my way. Nice one, Elle. Let the series two cock blocking begin. The script excerpt simply ends as Penn wishes the conversation didn't have to end the way it did. But don't worry, Penn, you'll get another chance to interrogate him later. I'm sure it's all going to go perfectly well for you. Elle reveals she's figured out Whistledown's new printer, much to Penelope's joy. And I have to say, I relate hard to the way Eloise spirals over her deductions all from one tiny piece of paper, because how many hours have we all spent doing the exact same thing over blurry set leak? Pen is highly amused by a friend, tries to dissuade her from her deductions, but paper texture aside, let's take our seats because it's time for the race. Sadly for Colin, he loses, whereas Eloise actually ends up winning the race. And if we tie this to what Whistledown said at the beginning of the episode, that courtship is a game and urges the players not to stumble, then this is actually quite revealing. Colin loses the race, which is apt considering how he says later in the episode he's sworn off women and how he will shoot himself in the foot in 208 and ruins his own prospects with Penelope later in the season. Meanwhile, Elle wins this race. Now we know Elle isn't interested in courtship, but she's just found the piece of paper that will lead her to Theo in this episode and start her own love interest for this season. I'd also just like to call a little attention to a blink it miss it moment here that I love where Ben slaps Colin in the background. <laughs> I think the context is that Colin bets on the the wrong horse here. He looks very put out and Ben lightly slaps him <laughs> on the cheek a couple of times in a brotherly attempt to console him. And in another tiny moment, you can actually spot Penelope watching when Kate confronts Anthony at the end of the race because Lady Whistledown is always hard at work. But Whistledown aside, forget everything, leave the races. We've got a wedding to get to. 
Philippa is finally marrying Mr. Finch. And look how happy he is. He is super happy. Sorry, Colin, but I don't think anyone could be happier or prouder than Mr. Finch is on his wedding day. Well, that's blasphemy, but Finch looks adorable here. It's blasphemy, but it's also the truth. No, he's going to be like, in it's going to be perfect. Luke is going to play it so well. You're going to die. He cried at Anthony's wedding to someone that he didn't even love. So his own <laughs> wedding is going to be boring. But it is interesting to note that they have an intimate wedding in the Featherington home, partially down to a lack of funds, but also because they're not titled, either of them. And this was far more common at the time period. And the larger weddings, like the one we see in 206, were a lot more unusual and reserved for those with titles. So, you know, like a Viscount or an Earl, perhaps. And I suppose it raises the question of if that big wedding that Veg we both saw being filmed in Greenwich really is Colin and Penn's. After all, there are only third bonds. No, it's them. I've, I hope it is. Even if it's a dream sequence. It's either theirs or Francesca's because Francesca's would make sense because he's an Earl and that would necessitate that sort of grandeur. But I think there will be a reason, a twist as to why Penn and Colin have such a big wedding. Well, we know there's two weddings this season. We do. So. They did return twice. Penn's outfit. Let's bring on the outfit. She's wearing a dress affectionately called Baby Doll Starfish on the subreddit. It did quite well in the outfit game and it only really you can barely see it on the screen it's not on for very long but it is the iconic dress that features in the very cute very famous entertainment weekly photo shoot as well as a birthday post that pended for Nicola so if you're familiar with the photo shoot for EW which we'll link in the show notes this is the modern AU Penn and Colin fanfics in real life and it did really well in the outfit game as we said gaining fans and enemies in equal measure. Some may describe it as a reign of honour, some call it a reign of terror. I love Baby Doll Starfish with all my heart, all my soul. I think she is the moment. But my, 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 is if we haven't had or enough iconic pollen scenes this episode, we now have to go fencing with ABC. We mentioned previously that this scene was actually supposed to be rowing, but was changed quite late on. And Anthony is pretty stressed about the main storyline that we keep ignoring, so he's burning off some energy in the Bridgerton back garden with his brothers. <laughs> So this is actually filmed at the ranger's house in their sort of side garden. Same place where they set up the swing for a lot of their Benedict and Elle scenes. And so one of the times that I was sort of early on in my fandom days when they were filming series two, I remember sort of hanging out and seeing the odd flash of white around the side. Did you actually see this getting filmed, this exact scene? Well, I was there when it was being filmed. I'm not sure if I saw anything, but I was there. Did you just see like the glint of a, of a sabre? Someone being moved from one place to another. But yeah, that was very exciting. To continue our little discussion of the fencing scene in last year's To Doom, Luke mentioned that this scene, while he is left-handed, the production forced him to fence with his right hand, oh. perhaps explaining why Antony trounces him in this scene. Oh, I'm a lefty as well. Let Colin be left-handed in season three. I just think it wouldn't work from like fencing rules, but I think if he's a writer, he'll be allowed to use his actual hand. And according to Newt, he also kept forgetting the choreography for this scene, which meant that Jonathan Bailey kept almost chopping him. And uh, Jonathan then Bailey was described as being the best at fencing thanks to his physicality and posture, whereas Luke's were messing around. And Jonathan Bailey also talked about this scene on the official podcast, saying that Newt's was patient and happy, Luke Thompson was calm and precise, and Jonathan Bailey himself was being hot-headed. Very true to their characters. And they did also talk on the podcast about how they came up with some of the moves and how it was going to go only a few days before, and also all had an input. So that, that's just really cool. They had to rehearse separately because of COVID, didn't they? So it was only the night before that they were able yeah. to actually come to together. And fans will know this is a really well-loved Colin scene for many reasons, but one is definitely his <laughs> fencing outfit here, in particular the white billowy shirt with the open finally neck! 
great job. Thanks to all the campaigning by the Free The Net campaign. You did great, babes. And nothing quite hits like a Regency man in a billowy white shirt. This is what graces the covers of the romance <laughs> books like Bridgerton, you know. This is peak, peak romance. And this ended up winning Colin's outfit game last year on the subreddit. And just love it. Net, floaty, piratey. Perfection. Gorge. That was pre-pirate. It was though, pre-pirate. To be fair. <laughs> we then had a rematch and... <laughs> It absolutely yeah. was decimated by the pirate. But for a very long time, it was all yeah. about fencing Colin. Gorgeous. And it still is. While we're on the scene, benches, I'd also like to <laughs> take a note <laughs> to point out and congratulate the bench featured in this scene for any benches out there. This bench was the runner-up in our random object game on the Pollen subreddit, where it was defeated by another beloved object, the biscuit cushion, that <laughs> will be made in later this season. Also, apologies to the Benchwarmers Alliance. On behalf of everyone at the Biscuit Cushion Society, for the elevation of Colin's biscuits and other lovingly supported objects. <laughs> Our competition got a little heated toward the end there. I may have set this bench on fire in a video. If you're not on the Pollen subreddit, that entire paragraph just made absolutely no sense. <laughs> and I don't think that was a good advertisement to make people come and join. Look, basically, I'm a mod of the subreddit. I can attest. We've been very bored. We've been playing games. We had an object game. It got heated. We actually damaged some friendships pretty severely. <laughs> We basically, we love the bench. It's a good bench. Colin sits on it very nicely. And Colin is particularly playful as him and Ben work together to wind Anthony up. And I just love a classic ABC scene. And book fans, you might recognise the fencing from an offer from a gentleman when an upset Colin goes fencing with Benedict after the whole scene where Penelope overhears him with his brothers. So if you've only read Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, I implore you to go and read this bit from an offer from a gentleman because it reveals a lot more about how Colin felt after that scene. And I also really love how carefree Colin is the whole time. Anthony takes too much upon himself when it comes to courtship. Colin Babe, famous last words. <laughs> Before we go to Lady Debray Soiree, I just want to say that I love this little playful moment that occurs after this between Violet and Colin where she's trying to see if he has any friends interested in dog grooming so she can set up Eloise with them. And also Colin gets an opportunity to see Antony being berated for once as Violet scolds him about his behavior before they leave. Oh, I love a little family moment. I really love how they set up in this episode how Violet is super interested in matchmaking Eloise, but by the end of the season, she kind of has a different opinion. So she has her own, like, fully fleshed out arc for the season. And Colin's line, Mother, are you quite well? Another brilliant Colin line. And once we get to the soiree, we find that Penn is also there. Fantastic. Can't wait to see how this is going to go. She slips the next L as the men are busy performing their little ditties and such. She looks pretty unhappy during the entire scene. Yeah, she looks morose. What's up with her? I don't know. It's going to get worse for you, babe. So it may be the outfit. This is another very well-known Penelope outfit, but not in a good way. Some people are the belle of the ball. She's the beau of the show here. <laughs> it's a cute yellow dress with a lot of bows, which we will get to. But one thing I wanted to note was that Edwina recognises it as cute. And she actually, this is a lovely scene with Edwina and Penelope. She comes up to Edwina and talks about how it's not the dress itself, but how one wears it and you wear it well and it, it's a lovely lovely moment and I totally yes. agree like it's like yeah the yellow colour Pen wears it great she does it's her colour and it's not makes her stand out sometimes for the wrong reasons or I think it shows that maybe it's the start of Penelope's gaining confidence through the help of others which we will obviously get in series three but really lovely moment yeah. and I think she sort of goes over to Colin maybe with slightly more confidence I would say because of this we'll get to it but she says to 
to Colin, I am a woman, I wonder, would she have said that if she hadn't had that conversation with Edwina? Maybe not. Maybe. I think the letters play into it also. I think she thinks something changed between them because of the letters, because she's very pushy on (laughs) this issue this season. But in this scene, we have our explanation behind our rating system. Here, Penelope has (laughs) about a dozen bows in her hair, which is absolutely tragic on its own. But as Eloise pulls her away from the group gathered around the sofa, if you look closely, Pen also has an enormous bow on the back of her dress. And I think I speak for all Poland fans when I say we've suffered enough bow trauma. Thank you very much. And we haven't even got to episode 204. My God. (laughs) That being said, this is most likely my Stockholm syndrome that I mentioned, but I also love this dress. I think she looks so cute. I genuinely love this outfit. It has grown on me so much. I could take or leave the bows, but the dress itself is actually very cute. I was fiercely against this outfit. I couldn't even watch this scene because like she always looks beautiful she always looks adorable but I think Penelope knows when she does it's like what Edwina says it's how you wear it and sometimes Pen is aware that she looks ridiculous that's not how she chooses to dress herself we've seen a couple of times where she does dress herself and I've always like struggled in this scene to watch her because of how it ends and how crushed she ends up in the scene but when you look at the dress it's actually adorable I'm fully with you I think it's pure trauma speaking but she looks gorgeous there's this little quirk that Nicola does with Penelope and she does it in this scene that I really like where she reaches up and kind of like touches her hair nervously. Yeah, she doesn't just like do that when she's mean. nervous. She also does that, I think last episode when she's leaving like the printer's office in her Irish maid garb, she reaches up and like touches her hair. It's this cute little Penelope quirk and I love it and she looks super cute here. And like you say, Veg, we did get that nice moment between Edwina and Penn there. One that sadly won't be developing further in season three because we know that Edwina's not going to return. And at the end of the episode, we hear that the group of suspects for Lady Whistledown are actually the ladies that Edwina was seen talking to, which is why the show made that point here of having Penelope and Edwina talk. But still, like you say, it's a nice moment. I totally agree. I think it bolsters Penn's confidence a tiny bit just before she spots Colin entering the room and she ditches Edwina just as quickly as (laughs) Colin did. She was like, I'm out of here, bye. (laughs) And Edwina's like, who the hell was that? Colin enters the room looking a little bit lost. He's set back from everyone. He's re-entering this world. It's only the day after Colin got home, remember? He must be knackered. He's disorientated, thrown straight back into society like he was at the races. And a quick note, if you catch it, is that Prudence looks at Colin as he enters Mm -hmm. the room. And then as Penelope walks up to him, Prudence watches them the whole time. Does she know? Does she suspect? I think she certainly remembers that scene from the last episode where she was mocking Mm -hmm. Penelope. And I think that she's just thinking desperate Penelope trying to (laughs) chat like how embarrassing for you. But back off, Brie, you've got no clue. Yeah, it will be interesting to see how she reacts to it all. And I do really admire how Penelope goes up to him. Like we spoke about, maybe it was Edwin maybe it was because of their letters but Penn walks up to him but we do see it more this season that Colin ends up approaching Penelope more and more but it's great to see that she has the confidence to walk up to him even when she is covered with those. I think she trusts that he'll never reject her in that way. (laughs) Famous last words again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh dear. Oh Penn, you have to laugh. And as Penelope approaches Cullen, he gives a bow and then maintains eye contact, looking up at her from under his lashes as he comes up from the bow. Truly a chef's kiss moment here. It's ridiculous. <laughs> is he where his face is doing that? No, he is not. Here, Colin also announces that he is just a spectator and not yet ready to re-enter what Lady Whistledown says is the game of courtship. We'll surely see a very different opinion from Colin about that subject in season three, but Colin also says that he wants to fully understand himself before stepping back into this world. So there is a question for everyone. Will Colin have a better understanding of himself when he returns home in season three? 
It appears so, judging by the season three synopsis. I think you definitely will. Like we've seen just even with the pirate Colin thing, there's definitely a different approach of he's coming back as a different person. And we see that obviously the audience, we don't know how that's going to manifest in his behavior and things he believes in, things he says. But yeah, I think the clues are definitely there that that's going to happen. Little swagger. He's also telling her what to expect from him this season. He says, I'm just a spectator. So Penelope, in her mind, she thinks there is this hope and something has changed and we're going to get somewhere. But he is telling her that's not going to happen in this scene, but she just completely <laughs> ignores him, sadly. In this conversation, Cullen also playfully asks Penn if she isn't a devotee of mystery, which is amusing considering her Lady Whistledown alter ego. But Penelope also says that she's the type of person who always turns to the final chapter first. And we actually kind of see that in her relationship with Colin, as I just said, especially in this season. This is partly because Colin unintentionally gives her mixed signals, but you can tell that Penelope really thinks there is hope now. She sees this love story playing out and she thinks that they're going to get their happy ending, maybe even this season. Um, and they will eventually, but she's getting way too yeah. ahead of herself yeah. here. And we'll see more evidence of this later in the season as she continues to press Colin about whether he's ready to look for a wife. And we'll see it, but he isn't really ready for those conversations either. And I think she doesn't quite listen to him in that respect in these points because as you say she is yeah. she's already written the ending and she wants to get there uh give him some yeah. time babe because you're going to keep getting burnt but it's time to get out your shovels because pen is ready to do some digging she's not listening to you there like at all <laughs> she immediately tries to resume the conversation with the races to find out the name of the young lady you met while out the country why is penelope so convinced that he did meet someone colin is completely confused and asks what on earth she's talking about pen quickly tries to change the conversation but we get this odd little moment where colin almost seems to recognize that Penelope has feelings for him. She tries to pick up their conversation that they had at the races and figure out who, if anyone, he met during his travels, convinced that he's fallen for someone while abroad before quickly trying to cover and change the subject here. And this little moment reminds me of the Jess Brownell interview she gave Variety last year, where she says that there are these moments of tension between them where Cullen walks up to the line of almost realizing that Penelope has feelings for him, but doesn't quite get there. You can really see that playing out here in Luke's performance. I completely agree and I am obsessed with this moment and I really think this is the closest he ever gets to suspecting her but as like you say Jess said he doesn't quite get there. He seems completely thrown by Penn's insistence of, you know, why is she suddenly asking all these questions about his love life and people he's met when he knows he hasn't met anybody? Because he's so not in that frame of mind. As he said, he's sworn off women. So he's like, where the hell is all of this coming from? And that deeply repressive conscious of his is screaming at him here. It's fighting for its life <laughs> and sanity. And it almost breaks through to the surface. It so nearly clicks for him. And he gives her that incredibly suspicious double look before he, for whatever reason, reason and I cannot wait to find out what reason that is he slams it down shuts the thought out shakes himself out of it poor subconscious gets shoved firmly back into the water because this is season two and he is not quite ready for any earth-shattering revelations like that and there is a lot of debate within the fandom as to whether Colin knows about Penelope's feelings for him especially seeing how blindingly obvious it is to us as an audience people say he must know like look at the way that she looks at him but this moment combined with what Jess said and remember Jess is a season three showrunner so her opinion on the situation carries quite a lot of weight to it. It gives us the best answer that we're going to get to that question, which is that he doesn't know. Well, definitely not consciously, at least. Definitely not in the way that book Colin did know. And I've always said that for me, it's important that show Colin doesn't know that Penn has feelings for him. If show Colin does know that she has a thing for him and he still treated her like this, where he's accidentally leading her on, breaking the rules of propriety, being really reckless with her emotions, Makes I think it would be dick. really cruel of him. Yes, too cruel. 
and he isn't a cruel character. I know sometimes he accidentally hurts her, but Colin isn't cruel. And I honestly believe if he did know, he would have changed how he is with her. Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts as to why Colin can't see it, but maybe we should save that for another time. What I will say though, is that I sincerely hope that Colin doesn't find out that Penelope had feelings for him until after he knows that he's in love with her. Because Colin Bridgerton mm. thinking he's the victim of unrequited love is the tragic comedy that this fandom was built for. <laughs> <laughs> but Colin concedes that Penn is right. He wasn't lonely on his travels because he began a real conversation with someone. Someone I had known for a very long time. Who could that possibly be? After everything with Marina, he realised he never really knew this person at all. It builds and builds. This oh, is like Colin. the 108 moment. We see exactly where Penn thinks that <laughs> everything's going. Then he says that the person he didn't really know that he got to know was... Myself. He began a conversation God. with himself. We can only say. How did that conversation go, Colin? <laughs> you need, do you remember how Beans was his consciousness the other day yeah. in a dream? He really needs a little tiny yes. Beans in there. And I think the look that she gives him is hilarious. And she goes yourself and she blinks at him like yes she has the greatest little blink it's perfect she's like excuse me it's like <laughs> i put in all that work only for you to come back home and say that you had a conversation <laughs> with yourself and a blade of grass <laughs> she's long suffering Veg, I'm with you here on this bit. He is exhausted sometimes. But Penn does not know when to quit. So she keeps on digging. Yeah, and I know this is meant to be a disappointing moment. But I must say, I really do love how it was Penn who was the one who made him want to reconnect with himself. He yeah. was just focusing on himself, blah, blah, blah. But a piece of her was with him through the whole trip and made him oh. sort of go through that journey. It wasn't the full journey we're expecting that he was expecting maybe either, but it was there. There was some development and it seems like that was because of her, which is amazing. I think that's a win. A win is a win. That is such a sweet moment. He acknowledges that she, well, first of all, in what a way, he basically says, you inspired me to carry out my dream of going on my travels, which Penn isn't very happy about. But then he comes back and he talks about about their letters and how she encouraged him to see mm -hmm. himself in a better light like what a sweet dynamic between them what a great foundation for like when they eventually do sort of end up in this partnership this marriage that kind of thing is oh it's just a beautiful foundation i love it maybe that explains the look he gave her partially obviously he thought she's super cute as well but that could explain some of the heart eyes i reckon I love that he acknowledges it because yeah, she doesn't get what she wants back from him in terms of, he's not there. They're basically on the same path. She's already at the final destination. She's setting up camp. She's picking up the China pattern. Final chapter. Colin is just further down the road and you know, you can't get mad at someone for not arriving at the same time mm -hmm. that you do. She fell first, he fell harder. He He's getting there. He's on that path. And like it is with Book Colin, she really creeps up on him and he falls in love with her bit by bit. And it's these moments where she is such a part of his identity and she is so important to his sense of self and how he sees himself. When he struggled and he can't pick himself up, she's there. And like you say, Veg, that's the whole point of love. That's the foundation of it. But prepare yourselves though, because we're heading for catastrophe, as if we haven't already had enough catastrophe already, because Penn keeps pushing Colin. He's giving her all the hints, but he's a spectator. He's not there with her right now. He said he's sworn off women and love, and then Veg, will you actually uh, bring out audiobook Colin for the sure. occasion? And Lek, my darling Lek, can you do our subtitle stage directions? Sure, yeah. Thank you. Right. You sworn off women then? Well, for the time being. I am a woman. Oh, so awful. You are. <laughs> Pen. You do not count. You are my friend. 
Of course. Your friend. How good to hear that. Melancholy music playing. Breathing shakily. <laughs> that is genuinely the subtitles, my favourite thing. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. And the dress itself is incredibly childlike. All those bows are working for a reason. We said it earlier about her dress when Colin returned, about how she looked quite childlike there, but I think this really, really pushes it. And the fact that she's standing there, dressed like a child, just reinforces her perception that he doesn't take her seriously, doesn't see her as the woman that she wants to be and is trying to be. We see a little here and we'll see it later on in future episodes a bit more about how what Marina did to Colin really stuck with him and really impacted him negatively throughout his travels but and the narrative reminds us of this moment by bringing Marina into the conversation itself. This also really reminds us of what Marina did to Penelope how what Marina said really sticks with her as an insecurity and then shapes how she interprets Colin's words. So Penn interprets what Colin says as you do not count as a woman. And we mentioned this in our rewatch of last season, that this is an insecurity that was placed within Penelope by Marina when she tried to basically decimate Penelope's interest in Colin and told Penelope that Colin didn't see her as a woman and that he saw her as no more than hyacinth. This is something that stuck with Penelope. And, and now when Colin says something like that, that taps straight back into that insecurity. All of that combines into how Penelope misinterprets what he says, how she physically looks in that moment, very, very childlike, and it all just creates this disaster. Those words are going to haunt our fandom until our dying day. And Luke Newton said when he read that line, he thought, God, that's really brutal. And my mum, who is lately watching the show, just got her into it. She said, oh, that's so harsh <laughs> about that line. So oh, I did Colin. explain that there is more nuance to it. But yeah, it's not a great line, is it? Yes. So many people judge Colin based on this scene. He's attacked by so many people based on this conversation, which is really unfair and frustrating. If you want to attack Colin, he's going to give you a reason later on. You know, you don't need to pick this one. <laughs> we'll, we'll direct you. <laughs> yes, you can attack him for 208. Yeah, I let her know. I said, just wait, just wait. But here, he just basically misspeaks. He doesn't intend for his message to come across as harsh as it does here and clearly has no idea that he has hurt Penelope. And I believe Hobbs has some really strong opinions on this matter. Indeed, I do. People of the court, I'm here today to speak in defence of Colin Christopher if AO3 has anything to do with it, Bridgerton. I have uh, written a prepared statement, aka one of my Reddit comments, because I ran out of time whilst writing this script. <laughs> so I just went and copied it. So people of the court, Colin isn't telling Penelope she doesn't count as a woman. He's saying she doesn't count as one of the women he is for swearing. She's his friend. Of course he wouldn't swear of their friendship. She means more to him than any other woman and could never imagine cutting her out of his life. Pen heard it as, I don't even count you as a woman. And she took it the wrong way. But Colin certainly didn't mean to insult her. And I think he'd be devastated if he realised that that's how she'd heard that line. As is so often the case with these two, Colin said something well-intentioned, but it came out clumsily. Penelope then misunderstood what he said and was hurt by it. It's a case of classic Colin miscommunication. And I asked the court to show mercy in your sentencing of Mr. Bridgerton. <laughs> Although I will concede that a fitting punishment would be for Penn to turn around in season three and tell Colin he does not count as a potential husband because he's just a friend. Thank you, jury members. Thank you, court. Thank you, <laughs> yeah. judge. In the case of R.V. Colin Bridgerton, the court finds the defendant <laughs> not guilty. Oh my God, Veg. I can't believe that just came from you. Aww. 
<laughs> I was waiting for the guilty hammer to drop. Have we had vegetable character growth in this episode? <laughs> well, we'll see what he does in series three. Look, like I say, if you want to pick at him, there are moments, but he genuinely didn't mean this in a bad way. He doesn't need burning at the stake for this particular crime. Thank you. We discussed this in our moment in our playlist episode, but the show really wants us to feel bad for Penelope here because our expectations were raised when Colin returned home. We've got that gorgeous heart I've seen, but the reality is that he's not quite there yet. And so we get that crushing disappointment too. Nicola talked about this, saying that their pen pal relationship contributed directly to Penn's pain in this moment. She said that her expectations were a little too high when he comes back because she's been getting his letters and wondering, what does this mean? Again, what the hell are in those letters? We don't know. And Nicola continued, he really friend zones her. It's just a dagger to the heart. And I think in season one, we talked about it a lot. The letters between Marina and Sir George were a huge plot point. And yes. we saw firsthand how romantic Penelope found those and how hopeful she found them. And that's entirely her concept of a man and a woman writing to one another. And this is a framework that she's working with as she's writing to Colin. I don't think that she thinks they are love letters. She's not naive. She's not stupid. They're representing romantic yeah, hope to her. For sure. yeah. She thinks they're on their journey. Luke Newton described these letters as that there's something more intimate and almost romantic about writing to each other from across the world. While I think their relationship blossomed, Colin is still unaware of how he may feel. So I completely agree. The letters have a lot to answer for if we ever learn what was in them, if Colin accidentally led her on. But the notion of them and what they represent to Penelope has a lot as well. And it just all coincided in this horrific, awkward moment. She shrinks back into the wall, which I hate. I feel so bad for her. Poor Pen, poor us. If it's any consolation though, Colin seems to think their conversation went pretty well. That was classic Colin. <laughs> and he touches her arm fondly as he turns to leave. So scandalous touching here. It's worth noting that this is the second scandalous little touch that we see between Colin. In season one, Colin reaches out off screen and touches Penelope's arm during their conversation after the engagement dinner. And here you can just barely see him touching Penelope's arm before he steps away from her. Choices were made by Luke Newton and good choices. So absolute disaster. We've just got a few more scenes to get through before we can finally crawl to the end of this very busy episode. We're back in Eloise's room. Penelope is, she's like adorably playing with a, like a little spyglass. Such a cute moment. Yeah. Notice that Eloise's telescope is still staring across the street over at Featherington House to find the true Lady Whistledown. And then there's this scene where Eloise says that Lady Whistledown has made a mistake and it's all because of a wonky letter K. Penn is absolutely fuming because Eloise is always making more work for her. So now she's like, as if I've not got enough to deal with my heartbreak over being friendzoned by Colin, I've now got to go to the bloody market and find a Stanhope press letter K. And Penn is in a, a lovely dress in the scene, actually, that Colin tragically will not see. I know you're fond of this one, Nikki. Yes, it's super cute. Almost as cute as her Bridget Bridgerton outfit that she puts on right after this when she goes shopping. As we said, Penn's got bloody work to do thanks to Elle, so she has to go back off to the market. Bridget's back in business. Irish-made Penn takes no shit from anyone. But then suddenly she turns and realises Genevieve is there in the market. She has been spotted. Is this it? Will this be fatal? Is Penn doomed? Is Jen going to ruin her? We will find out. And a tray of miniatures is brought through to the Queen as she starts rifling through for her suspects. And as Lady Whistledown says... To be fair, one might call this author the biggest secret sharer of all, for who else could possibly keep all of you honest, when even the most well-kept of secrets must eventually come to light? <gasps> Out of the shadow! 
dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yes. And a little hat tip here to whoever mocked up these little portraits as they've included Penn's gorgeous star Aww. dress from the last episode. I'm assuming they just included everyone as they look from the last ball, but still, Yay. it's a, a little win for us. <laughs> So all's well that ends well, and that is the end of a huge episode 202. After the races we've been, we've won, we've lost. Lucky, how are we feeling after all that? So our whistle up, I'm sorry, Hard Eyes fans, but it's Penn and Colin's adorably awkward conversation at the races. Every time I think about this scene and their letters to each other, I just, I just love them so much. Do you have a whistle down for this episode by any chance? This week's whistle down is dedicated to Gregory and Hyacinth Bridgerton, who knows if Penn and Colin would have actually hugged if they hadn't been interrupted by his younger siblings in the hard eye scene. My whistle down is the months I've had to spend defending poor Colin yeah. against this crime that he did not commit, my, my sweet Colin. But yeah. We would have loved to see a Penn and Colin hug. Overall, what are you thinking about the app? Personally, I'd like to know what you think, Obs. We never hear from our wonderful <laughs> Thank you for asking. What a mixed bag. A 202 might be one of my favourite episodes. It's not my favourite episode, but it's one of my favourite mm. Collins. I love the fencing scene. I love the chaos. It's the highs, the lows. You can't have the pollen joys without the pollen horror. And that is what this episode is about. I'm going to go for a two. That's my rating as well. Oh, we agreed for once. Sure, I will as well, because then it's season two, episode two, bow rating two. An acceptable amount of bows for <laughs> Paul and Finn. We'll be back next week as we tackle season two, episode three. But in the meantime, where can everyone find us, Lucky? You can find us at WhatabarbPod on Instagram and TikTok. And we are just a few of lots and lots of wonderful pollinators over on reddit.com forward slash r forward slash pollen Bridgerton. Beans, you might not be with us right now, but you're always with us in spirit. So do us the honours and see us out. We love you. Does violin do 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 do